everybody, and welcome to the first and foremost sports podcast. We're back at it again with episode 31. I'm Jimmy Covington. What's up? What's good? I'm the one and only Quentin Douglas. Listen, we want to thank y'all for tuning in once again. Episode 31. Quentin, how you doing? I'm doing great, my guy. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. A brother can, can you know, I can eat now. Everything's like no more in my mouth. So I'm loving it. <laughs> Man, you almost forgot you said it for a minute. You couldn't use a straw, didn't it? <laughs> I still can't. I still got another week. You getting closer. <laughs> I'm a I'm a drink. I'm gonna use a straw like I ain't ever used them before for one of three weeks. So man, what you even use a straw for, I guess, other than what drinks at restaurants and stuff. I don't know. I'm going to be unnecessary, though. I'm just going to get a plastic red cup and drink everything out of plastic red <laughs> Man, cup. just got to find a reason to use a straw. <laughs> Absolutely. I took I took straws for granted. But, man, uh, enough of the small talk, man. Let's go ahead and get it popping. Uh, we got a few topics on hand for y'all today. But with that being said, week seven of the NFL season finished on Monday night uh, with the Bears and the Rams playing. So, Quinn, what are your top takeaways from week seven of the NFL season? All right. Well, first, I'm going to start off with, of course, we had the matchup of the unbeatens this past week between the Titans and Steelers. Uh, And I want to say, I think it's finally time we can take the Steelers seriously. The first few weeks, I questioned their opponents. Uh, but now that they played a legit team in the Titans, uh, I think we can start looking at them as Super Bowl contenders. But with that being said, they do have their flaws. Uh, of course, their formula on defense has been getting after the quarterback and creating turnovers. And we saw against the Titans Sunday, they really weren't able to do either one of those. And we saw how they struggled with that Titans team. Uh the Titans, I mean, the Steelers, on offense, they still lack an effective running game. And I think more than ever, that showed in the second half when they needed to ice the game and run the clock. But they couldn't because James Conner, as much as you like him as a person, he's just not that effective as an every-down bell cow running back. Uh, they do have Benny Snell, who scored on Sunday. But he just doesn't get full-time carries. But, you know, looking at their team, Mike Tomlin, something he said was, of course, we know how much talent they have at the receiver position. I mean, they have Chase Claypool, who's come on as a rookie. They got Deontay Johnson, who went off Sunday. James Washington, who when healthy, he can be dangerous in his own right. And, of course, how could I leave out Juju Smith-Schuster, the best receiver on the team? Uh, But he said what they do is they let the defense dictate who they throw the ball to, which means, I guess, you know, whoever the defense is giving the least attention to, that's who Ben's going to throw it to. But if you notice, Sunday, that backfired against the Titans because, one – the Titans play off and want to not allow the deep ball, which I don't think I saw any deep completion Sunday, uh, as well as the linebackers. They did the same thing. And the D-line, if you watch them, 
instead of them trying to get to Big Ben and sack him, because we know how tough of a task that is, their focus was to bat down passes. And we saw that on the play when Jeffrey Simmons deflected the pass and Jayon Brown picked it off. Um, and even going back to the deep passes, Amani Hooker had an interception there. But uh, even with the game plan of dictating who they throw the ball to, looking at Chase Claypool and how much excitement was surrounding him, the Titans treated him as if he was their number one receiver. And he only had one target Sunday. And I think even on that one reception, he had like negative two yards. So, I mean, like he basically had no impact whatsoever on the game Sunday. And even looking at their other receivers, none of them averaged over 10 yards a catch. So, I mean, the whole day was just them chipping away, grinding away, fighting for yards as much as they could. And you saw at the end, if the Titans had made that field goal, we could be talking about a different outcome. Uh, So, like I said, the Steelers are definitely a good team, but they do have their flaws. And so now that's going to bring me to my second point. Uh, I had I was going to talk about how Dallas is a dumpster fire, but you brought that up already, and I think that's pretty much common knowledge at this point. Uh, so I don't want to beat a dead horse there. But Colin Coward, he says a lot of off-the-wall stuff. But one thing I heard him say, he compared Jerry Jones to the late, great Al Davis. And I was like, hmm, that's pretty interesting. So if you look at it, Jerry Jones and Al Davis, I'm not questioning their football acumen. They probably know more football than pretty much anybody you can name. Uh, But if you look at it, at the end of Al Davis' tenure before he passed away, of course, in 2011, um, after his success, you look at – or let me go back a little bit first. I'm going to start back first. First, he had John Madden. We all know who John Madden is. I mean, he has a video game named after him for crying out loud. Uh, He won a Super Bowl with Oakland and kind of set that standard of winning. Of course, while Al Davis said, just win, baby. Uh, And Tom Flores came in and got two more chips with him. And comparing that to Jerry Jones, who did Jerry Jones have? Well, he had Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson, he got them back-to-back chips in 92-93. Jimmy Johnson was an aggressive coach. He was a coach that was going to challenge you. uh, And he was going to say what he had to say and do what he had to do. And he didn't care whose feelings he hurt. Uh, But if you look at it, as both owners got old, what happened? They both wanted more power and control over the team. And if you weren't on board with what they wanted, you were out of there or either you were never there to begin with. And looking at that, Jerry Jones did that with Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells won two Super Bowls with the New York Giants. But even though he had success in Dallas and led them to, I believe, one or two playoff trips, uh, Jerry Jones was like, yeah, you got to go, Bill. And who did he follow that up with? Wade Phillips. We had Jason Garrett for way longer than he should have been there. And now, only six games into the season, Mike McCarthy is looking like a disaster. Uh, And then looking at on the flip side, Al Davis, what did he do? He had John Gruden 
John Gruden had seasons where he went 12 and 4 and 10 and 6 with the Oakland Raiders and could have taken him to a Super Bowl if it weren't for the Tuck Rule game. But what happened? Al Davis went behind everybody's back, traded John Gruden to Tampa Bay. What John Gruden do as soon as he got to Tampa Bay? They beat the brakes off the Raiders in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I, there's not much you can debate there. I mean, they're basically a mirror image of each other. Uh, and I just thought it was a great comparison. So, I just wanted to highlight that that two owners are basically the same. And at this point, I've told you before, and I'll say it again, the Cowboys' fortunes aren't going to change until Jerry Jones is out of there. You know, I've been saying that for, I don't know, for numerous years. I've been I've been on it, on it you know, for, for a long time. So I, I still don't think it's going to happen no time soon. I think the only way Jerry won't be – I think the only way Jerry is going to relinquish his position is when he passes away. Uh, so it is what it is. Like Al Davis did. Uh, but for me, I had some, I had some different takeaways. My first takeaway is Arizona, the Arizona Cardinals can hang with the big dogs. I mean, if you were watching this Sunday night game, you know they got 37 to 34 win in overtime. Uh, they overcame a 10-point deficit with less than seven minutes remaining to force overtime, and they took, kind of took over from there. Uh, they're 2 and on in the division, both wins against San Francisco and Seattle. Kyler Murray, once again, balled out. 360 pass yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Also had another 67 yards and touchdown on the ground. So, you know, he, along with Lamar Jackson, you know, those guys are the ultimate dual threats, and he doesn't get hit. You know, he, he's continually, you know, making plays, uh, getting better. He's making that big leap from year one to year two, like you typically expect, you know, great quarterbacks to do. Uh, the defense, in terms of yards, you know, they, they allowed a lot of yards. Uh, Russell Wilson had 388 passing yards. Three touchdowns. Uh, they also gave up 200 rush yards at six and a half yards to carry. Uh, so the defense was not spectacular, but they created some turnovers, uh, which is typically what you want to do. If you're giving up yards, you want to at least create turnovers, and they did that. You know, at the most crucial moments, they had three interceptions, uh, and they even had a couple of sacks. Uh, and they held Russell Wilson to his lowest quarterback rating of the season of 84, and his most incompletions in the game of 17. So, you know, they were able to do, you know, enough to give Kyler Murray and that offense some more opportunities to put up some points on the board. Um, but it's no secret that, you know, Seattle's defense was, is terrible, was terrible coming into this year. If I'm not mistaken, they were allowing 479 yards a game coming into that game. Uh, Nets on pace to set the league record. Uh, and I think the Seattle offense is only averaging over, I think, like 464 yards per game. Uh, so the defense is giving them more yards than they put up. And, Seattle has an amazing offense, so that, that goes to tell you what they were still, you know, at that point, they were still undefeated. So that's a that's a great win uh, for Arizona. And I expect, you know, I expect big things to come. You know, they could potentially win that division. Um, they don't win the division. I definitely see them being in one of those wild card spots. I would like to see, you know, three teams from that division get in. I mean, I, would, I wish four could get in. I don't know how possible that's going to be. Uh, but We could get all four. It could, we could with that extra wild card spot. So, but that brings me to my next point. The NFC West is is hell. Uh, it's Armageddon, if you will. <laughs> All four teams in the division have at least four wins. 
and and that's amazing or for a conference that is amazing you know and you know the, the defending champs have the worst record in the conference i mean in in the division sorry, excuse me at four and three and we know the amount of injuries they have if i'm not mistaken there's 19 players on ir yeah so and that's an that's an absurd <laughs> amount and that the 49ers are still finding ways to win games but let me give you a few nuggets here all those teams have a point differential of at least 31 points. The average margin of victory for each team is nearly a touchdown per game. So, you know, that, you know, a touchdown, you know, a touchdown lead, you know, at the end of the game is, is significant. You know, most teams, you know, only winning by two or three points, uh, but that's significant. Uh, all, there's a high scoring conference too. Uh, those teams average about 28 points a game. So a lot of points are being scored. And, uh, you know, all teams, you know, and those teams also play well on the road. They all have a record of, of at least 500 or better on the road, too. You know how it is on the road. And, and the only team that has a losing record at home in the division is happens to be the 49ers. Uh, so, you know, that's that's a tough conference. Think about the, the four quarterbacks. You got Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Jerry Goff, and Jimmy Garoppolo. You would say, you know, it's a bit debate between on what – Jerry Goff or Jimmy G, which one of those guys is the worst quarterback in the division. But even if you get that, both of those guys have led their team to Super Bowls in the last three seasons. So there you go. You know, the worst quarterback exactly. in the division has took his team to the Super Bowl. So that's that's amazing. Uh they have they, those teams have a combined winning percentage of seventy percent. Uh that's the highest in the league, you know, right ahead of the AFC North. Uh, they have an average record of five and two between the four teams. So those teams are – those are some great teams. You know, and I would hate to be – I would hate yes. to play the division. I hate playing the division because every I week love is it. a, it's a dog fight every single week. You lose a game and, you know, you lose a game or two and you could be out of the running. You know, so, you know, like I said, you know, of course, you know, the winner gets the automatic playoff bid. And you got somebody fighting for a wild card, but with that extra wild card spot now being seven teams in each conference with the playoffs, you know, you can sneak a third team in there. You know, I don't know, you know, the possibilities in terms of four teams getting in, but, you know, it's a great possibility that three of those teams could definitely get in. I mean, if if the Saints don't get in behind the books, we might get all four in. And I'm pretty sure that will be the first time in league history. Uh, so, oh, you know, yeah. It, I'm excited to see, you know, going you know, forward. I'm excited to see in NFC West football going forward. And, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough finish like it usually is, at least by the top two teams. It's gonna be a nice finish. Uh but moving on to our you next know, topic. I didn't realize uh my I know, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. I I was just finna say, you know, I didn't even realize even with all our injuries, we still got a top ten offense and top ten defense. I didn't realize that either, but that goes to show you uh, the great job that Kyle Shanahan and, you know, John Lynch are doing trying to build depth. And I, and I want to say Kyle Shanahan spoke on that in the press conference uh, Sunday. So, you know, great job by them. Oh, and another, another thing too, uh, I don't know how significant it'll be, but Seattle earlier traded for Carlos Dunlap from the Bengals. And needed some pass rush help bad. I don't know how much he can provide, but they definitely need it. <laughs> Better than nothing. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're sticking with the NFL here. Let's move on to our next topic. You know, the MVP race is starting to heat up a little bit. You know, a couple guys have thrown their hat in the ring, Quinn. So, Quinn, give me your top five MVP candidates. Uh, all right, here we go. So, I think I'm going to start at five and work my way up. So, right now, sitting at five, I'm going to go Bills quarterback Josh Allen. Uh I told you the leaps he's taken this year, his game has been astronomical. I mean, he's completing 70% of his passes. I think that in itself just speaks to the improvement he's made in his game because before this year, he couldn't hit the side of a barn if he tried. But, I mean, he's been <laughs> he's been dropping dimes. He has the third highest quarterback rating. Uh, and, of course, a statistic they have is a category for quarterbacks called big-time throws. And this season, Josh Allen is fourth in the league with 17 big-time throws. Uh, and now that the Patriots seem to be basically, I guess, gone to the wayside, that division seems to be the bills for the taking now. So as long as they're number one there and he keeps balling, That'll definitely keep him in the MVP conversation. And then number four, I had to put him at four because I don't think it's more of him doing damage to himself as it was the other guys just outplaying him over the past few weeks. Uh, but I got Patrick Mahomes at four. Uh, Sunday, they easily handled Denver. Uh, we know what they were going to do to them. But Patrick Mahomes has still been Patrick Mahomes this year. Uh, he's second in quarterback rating, but he just hasn't had that big marquee performance this year against a good team, which they do have matchups against the Bucks and the Saints coming up. So those will be interesting to watch. And he could pad his stats against the Jets this week. Uh, so he could he could very easily climb back up in the rankings. At three, I got the old GOAT himself, Tom Brady. He's been balling the last few weeks. Uh, I will say this next guy after Brady just barely edged him a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but Sunday, Brady threw for 369 yards. He had four touchdowns. He also added a running touchdown. Uh, I mean, he's looking like he's turned back the clock every time somebody doubts Tom Brady. It's just like he always answers the bell. But, I mean, he's pretty much been untouchable the last few weeks in the league. I think he has like a 15-to-1 touchdown interception ratio. So, I mean, that's just absurd. And then coming in at two, another guy, a lot of people doubted him coming into the season, including maybe his own franchise, when they disrespected him drafting a quarterback in the first round. but I got to give some love to my guy, Aaron Rodgers. He's currently second uh, on my MVP standings. Uh, Sunday had 283 yards and four touchdowns over the Texans. Uh, I mean, he was pretty much unstoppable. Um, he got Devontae Adams back, which was huge. He is missing David Bakhtiari, but we expect him back at some point. But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers played lights out. And the Packers are five and one, so not much more you can ask from him. 
And then number one, I still got my guy, Russell Wilson. I know he had a horrible, horrible game Sunday night, but that was a division game, so you can always expect those to be tough. But as of now, I don't see a guy that's more valuable to his team than Russell Wilson because the Seahawks, they have the number two ranked offense, but they have the 28th ranked defense. So I'm going to leave it at that, and I'm going to hand it over to you. All right, you know, I'm, I'm going to start at five just like you did. And I want to say, you, you know, Russell Wilson, he's also my top candidate. I'm just going to get, get that out of the way. Uh, but my four and five are a little different from yours. So at five, I have Miles Garrett. I'm giving the defense a little love here. Uh, the Cleveland Browns are currently sitting at five and two. Uh, we both know that Baker Mayfield has not been the best this season. Uh, you know, he's been he's at played all. well. He's played well at times, but he's been inconsistent, largely inconsistent. Uh, but I think Miles Garrett has given them some extra opportunities on offense. He already has nine sacks, uh, 13 quarterback hits, four forced fumbles, and he also has two fumble recoveries. And he's among the league leaders in terms of total pressures. Uh, once again, like he usually is, Miles Garrett, he has two plus sacks in three different games this year. The only game he hasn't had a sack in was the the first game of the season. Uh, so Miles Garrett is proven to be a true game record, and uh, you know it's part of the reason that the Cleveland Browns are five and two. Uh, he's been able to you know force six turnovers, and you know he's made a lot of plays this year, and that's something you expect. You know he got paid this off season; they're expecting him to be the man, and that's exactly what he's been doing. He's been wrecking games, and he's definitely somebody you have to account for. You have to game plan around. So. Got to show a little love to Miles Garrett. At four, I'm going with Derrick Henry. Uh, didn't have the best, didn't have the best showing last week. Only had 75 rush yards, uh, but that doesn't take away from the previous five games. Leads the league in rushing attempts, rush yards, and he's also tied uh, in, in rush touchdowns uh, for first place. You know, Derrick Henry is—he's that guy. They—they they call him King Henry for a reason. You know, it looks like he gets stronger as the game goes on, and he's an integral piece of what the Titans like to do offensively. You know, Ryan Tannehill, you know, and A.J. Brown and Corey Davis and Janu Smith, you know, they work the playoff action game off of Derrick Henry. Uh, Derrick Henry is averaging over 23 carries a game this year. Uh, so, you know, we know he's a workhorse. You know, he's capable of carrying that load. He's on pace for 381 rushing attempts this year, uh, which is a lot. But he's also on pace for over 1,700 yards and 19 touchdowns. So, I, you know, playing the way that he plays and, you know, how he's able to take that bruise and that beating the way he plays, you know, I, I'm sure he might be able to reach those rushing totals unless, God forbid, an injury happens or something like that, an ankle injury, something he misses a few games. But you can fully expect him, the Titans, to keep giving him this kind of workload, you know, because they're going to need him. As he gets colder, they're going to need him to run the ball a little more, especially losing, you know, Taylor LeJuan. So, you know, unless, you know, the left tackle can step up and play, you know, close to LeJuan's level, then, you know, I don't think you would want to, you know, you want Tannehill to be throwing the ball that many times per game. Uh, so, had to show love for Derrick Henry at, at, at number four. At number five, I mean, excuse me, number three, excuse me. Uh, just, like, just like you, I got Tom Brady. Uh, I mean, you know, outside of the New Orleans game, the man has been, you know, he's, like you said, he's pretty much turned back the clock. 
you know, has 1,900 pass yards, 18 touchdowns, four interceptions, uh, has a, QB, a quarterback rating of over 100. Uh, but his QBR is middle of the pack. But we know Tom Brady has played better than what his QBR indicates. You know, even with, with the lack of practice time, you know, and lack of time to build continuity with his receivers, you know, he still managed to get a lot of guys involved. Uh, he's spreading the ball around. He has four receivers with over 200 receiving yards. And when you think about it, you know, having guys like Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Chris Godwin, and his leading receiver is Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller. Uh, so, you know, he's been able to, you know, he, he loves a slot receiver. You know, he's been able to do, you know, the things he's been doing in, year, in years past, even with added weapons. So adding Antonio Brown should only help them even more. Uh, but like, yes, like I said, Tom Brady, you know, if he keeps playing at this level and the defense keeps playing at that level, I, like I said, I, like I said last week, I definitely could see them, you know, representing the NFC in Tampa, you know, come, come February. At two, I got that bad man, Aaron Rodgers. Listen, the man has been on the tear this season. They're five and one, 1,600 pass yards, 17 touchdowns, only two interceptions, and he leads the league in QBR. And he's done it, you know, Devontae Adams, you know, in years past, he's always missed, you know, by three or four games. And he's missed some games this year. But, you know, outside of the Tampa game, they haven't skipped the beat. He's still been able to throw the balls. People like Robert Tanyan and Alan Lazar and Marquez Valdez-Scantlin. You know, even Aaron Jones missed missed the last game. And he still, he's just, you know, he looks electric. He's on pace for 45 passing touchdowns. And that'll be the same amount he had in the 2011 MVP season. So, if, you know, if the Packers can continue to play like this, you know, don't be surprised if Aaron Rodgers is taking home another MVP. Uh, but at number one, just like you, I got Russell Wilson. You know, didn't have the greatest game last week with three interceptions, uh, which is very uncharacteristic of Russell, Russell Wilson. But you do have to understand he has a history of not playing well in Arizona. And, you know, you being a fan of the, of the 49ers and the NFC West, I'm sure you know that just like I do. Uh, but listen. They're five and one. They have a historically bad defense, no pass rush, uh, but he's still finding ways to get it done. Uh, he has eighteen hundred eighteen hundred yards, averaging over eight and a half yards per attempt, uh, completing seventy one percent of his passes. Uh, he's on pace to have a career year across the board. I'm talking completions, attempts, passing yards, completion percentage, yards per attempt, touchdowns and interceptions. <laughs> but, you know, he's going to pace it though for 58 touchdowns, Quinn. You know, I don't know if he's going to – 58. I, now, I don't know if he's going to be able to keep up, keep that pace, uh, but the man has been on a tear this year. Like, you know, Russell Wilson has been on I another mean, level. He's he going to have to if they want to win. <laughs> you are true. He is the most valuable, you know. Without Russell Wilson, you, you couldn't put any old quarterback in that situation and expect him to succeed. Russell Wilson is the perfect quarterback for that team. He's the perfect quarterback for that franchise. And he's the perfect leader of men. Right now, he's been the best quarterback in the NFL so far. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's no I don't think there's much debate there. No I mean, you know, you still got Pat Mahomes, but you know, he, like you said, he doesn't have the gaudy statistics like Russell Wilson does. Uh, but I will say Patrick Mahomes, uh, as an honorable mention, he has played well this year. Uh, but they haven't needed him to throw for 300 yards a game. They've been able to win in different ways. And if you pay attention, you know, you notice that he's improved in small facets of the game in terms of getting to his reads quicker, 
uh, instead of going for the deep ball all the time, you know, dumping it off, getting seven, eight yards, living the fight for another down. And so he has improved. When you think about how good he's been his last two years, you know, you would think it's hard for him to improve, but he's still finding ways to improve. So if he, you know, if he magically finds some way at the top of this list by the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised at all because he's just that great. Uh, yeah. But moving on here. Moving on to college football here. Quinn, quickly, you know, give me your top five Heisman candidates so far. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make it real quick. But right now, I'm going to go five through one again like I did last time. But at five, I got Dylan Gabriel of UCF. I mean, UCF is always, always an explosive team, uh, especially offensively. Uh, but he's leading the nation in touchdown passes and, I believe, passing yards. Uh, but, I mean, he's just been a monster this year down at UCF. You got Zach Wilson at BYU. I got him fourth. Uh, he he had a lot of hype around him up there at BYU. Uh, and he's definitely delivered for them. They're undefeated right now. And, you know, some people are saying, what if they can get into the college football playoff? I think it'll be hilarious. Uh, still not over them beating UT and Knoxville last year, but it is what it is. Um, at three, I got him at three because he's only played one game so far, so we got a small sample size. But Justin Fields played a perfect game, about as perfect of a game you can ask for. His one incompletion was a drop that hit his receiver dead in the chest. I mean, you can't get any better than that. I mean, he did whatever he wanted. Uh, against Nebraska Saturday. Then at number two, people already forgotten who Tua is in Alabama because now they got a quarterback named Mac Jones. <laughs> so put some respect on Mac Jones' name. I know they got Najee Harris back there, but Mac Jones is the playmaker that's distributing the ball to all the receivers, which, by the way, Jalen Waddle is a huge loss for that team this year. Uh, and number one, I got to give it to Trevor Lawrence. Yes, they do play in a horrible, horrible division. But Trevor Lawrence has definitely uh, shown some more consistency than he did last season. Uh, he's definitely been the undeniable leader of that team. And they're the number one team in the country. So I got to give it to Trevor Lawrence right now. All right. I'm going to go just like you did, going from five or going up to one. At number five, I got Zach Wilson from BYU. They're 6-0, ranked number 11 in the country. You know, completing 78% of his passes and 22 total touchdowns. He's 15th in QBR. Oh, the man has been balling this year, and he's the reason why BYU is ranked so highly, and they could be, you know, a contender come playoff time. At number four, although he hasn't played in a couple weeks, I got Kyle Trask. Completing 71% of his passes, 14 touchdowns. He's ranked sixth in the country in QBR of 92.7. Just because he hasn't played don't mean he's still not a baller. He should still be in that, he should still be in that discussion. Whenever we play, yeah, he he gonna, right. whenever we play, he's going to ball out. So, you know, I got Kyle Trask at for number four. And number five, I got a running back. I show love to – I love running backs. They do a lot. Najee Harris, 595 rush yards. Another 147 receiving yards. He has 14 rushing touchdowns, Queen, in five games. The man is a touchdown machine. I saw that. <laughs> the touchdown machine. 
you know, he, Mac Jones even throw a touchdown pass last week. But you know, Nas he scored a couple times. Uh, so that man is a monster. You know, he like I said, he's a fanatic for the end zone, averaging almost six yards to carry. Uh, like I said, can do it in the receiving game too. Najee Harris should be front, squarely in the discussion, and he should get more love. Frank, quite frankly, I'm, I'm disappointed that he hasn't got more love. Uh, at number two, I have his teammate Mac Jones, five and zero, completing almost 79% of his passes, 12 touchdowns. He's second in QBR in the country with a QBR of 96. So you know, averaging 13 yards per pass attempt, which is astronomically great. That's something that you don't see practically ever. Uh, Mac Jones has made a, a feast uh, throwing the deep ball, but the loss of Jalen Waddle is a big one. Uh, but he showed, you know, Saturday that he can do it without Jalen Waddle. So, we'll, you know, it remains to be seen going forward. I he'll play going forward. But he has passed for at least 380 yards in four to five games. So, Mac Jones is putting up video game numbers. And at number one, I got Trevor Lawrence. I mean, we all know he's considered the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. You know, he has all the physical tools. You know, he does play in a lackluster conference. I mean, let's, you know, outside of North Carolina, I mean, you know, I think, you know, Notre Dame is in there this year. But other than that, you know, typically they don't face much competition on a week-to-week basis. Uh, completing 70% of his passes, you know, has 21 total touchdowns, only two turnovers. Uh, so he's balling out this year. He's doing exactly he what you pick six. It is true. First one of his college career. Uh, but he's doing what he's doing what you expect from a guy with his type of talent. So I got Trevor Lawrence at one. I think it's you know I think it's his to lose. Uh, I would say, uh, but you know things can change. We know college football is a crazy game, and things can change. He keeping that seat warm for Justin Fields. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but on. you talked about that fourteen touchdowns with Najee Harris. Can you believe Ricky Williams had 20 in his first five games? I can believe it. It's Ricky Williams. Bro. Like, Ricky Williams had Texas. They showed – Him he in was Texas. He was a monster. He was a, whole, he was a whole different, like, species in Texas, bro. <laughs> uh, but moving on to our final topic of the week, it was a segment that we introduced last week. For those who didn't tune, get a chance to tune in last week, it's called the Give Them Their Roses segment, and this is week two of that. So basically, we pick a player uh, in any sport that we deserve, that we feel doesn't get their, that doesn't get enough credit for for their greatness and what they've done. Uh, so, Quinn, who do you have? My this is once again my personal choice. I feel he is recognized as an all-time great, but this guy was my favorite running back to watch growing up as a kid because by that time I was of age to pretty much kind of start understanding football. But I'm going to go with LaDainian Tomlinson. I mean, dude was a monster. Let me give you his stats from 2006, bro. This man had 348 carries, 1,815 rushing yards, and 28 rushing touchdowns, 28. I mean, dudes now be lucky to even get, like, 10, 12 rushing touchdowns in the season. Uh, But, I mean, he had a run from 04 to, like, 07 that we probably will never see again. Or, I mean, really, you can go back to 02 when his second year in the league, uh, I mean – he was pretty much over 1,300 yards every season. Never had less than 13 touchdowns during that stretch. 
I mean, he was just unfair. And I think he doesn't get as much credit because his quarterback was an annual choker. And the best chance I believe he had at getting himself a ring, <clears throat> his be- excuse me, his best chance he had at getting himself a ring, uh, the 07 season, the Chargers went 14-2, and and they ended up playing the Patriots in a home game in a divisional round of the playoffs. LaDainian Tomlinson had 23 carries, 123 yards, and two touchdowns to go with two receptions and 64 yards. But what happened? Phillip Rivers choked on a pivotal drive. He had two incompletions that turned into a punt. And then on the last drive, he only managed to get them, get them to the 36-yard line, which in turn made it a 54-yard field goal for their kicker, which he missed, by the way. And that kept the game from going to overtime. And that you can't put on LaDainian Tomlinson. Uh, so I feel that he should get his roses. Uh, for me, I also got another – I'm picking a running back for a second straight week uh, that played during that time period. And uh, he's actually – you know, technically you would say, you know, he gets his credit because, you know, he just got inducted to the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, but he doesn't get talked about enough for my liking, and that's Edron James, uh, a.k.a. Edge from the University of Miami. Played 11 seasons with the, with the, with the, the Indianapolis Colts, the Cardinals, and the Seattle Seahawks. Man. In those 11 seasons, he had 12,246 rush yards. And he also had 3,364 receiving yards. So he had over 14,000 14, total yards in 11 seasons. And those weren't even 11 full seasons. Uh, he had seven seasons with, the, with at least 1,100 rush yards. Another six seasons with at least 40 receptions. So you want to talk about, you know, a do-it-all running back. You know, Edron James will fit. Him and LaDainian Thompson both will fit in with exactly like what the league does today with running backs. And they're bell cows. Uh, he finished 13th all-time on the rushing list. And like I mentioned earlier, he's a 2020 he's – a, he's a member of the 2020 Hall of Fame class, uh, which is the highest individual accolade you can get as an athlete, as a football player. He's a four-time pro bowler, a four-time all-pro. Led the league in rushing twice. And, uh, you know, he did this. You know, if you think about it, it was a lot of great running backs in the 2000s. And I'm just going to name a few. LaDainian Tomlinson, Tiki Barber, Sean Alexander, Jamal Lewis, Priest Holmes, Fred Taylor, Amon Green, Clint Portis, and Ricky Williams. And those are just some of them. It's not even all the running backs. You know, you got guys like Julius Jones, Marion Barber. You know, you got all those great running backs that played in the 2000s. And Edron James was arguably, the, I would say, the second best of that group. How dare you forget Frank Gore, bro? Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's so many. It's so many great running backs. And I would say Edron James was probably the second, the second run, best running back out of that group, behind LaDainian Thomas, obviously. But like I said, his ability, what he did in the receiving game and the rushing game, is is unmatched. And you know, he had a lot of t- he had a lot of touches over over thirty four hundred career touches. And he was able to almost score 100 touchdowns. He had 91 touchdowns. Uh, so, Edron James, uh, in my eyes, doesn't get enough credit for what he does, for what he was able to do during that during that time period, uh, when the running back was, you know, he was the bell cow. He was the center of most offenses, and he played with Peyton Manning. 
you know. And they, you know, they still had Reggie Wayne, they had Marvin Harrison, they had Dallas Clark. So, you know, they had, you know, other guys that could take away touches, but he was still able to produce at arguably the highest level. And you want to know something that told me LaDainian Tomlinson was disrespected, bro? Listen to this. In 2003, at the ripe age of 24, LaDainian Tomlinson had 1,600 rushing yards, 13 rushing touchdowns, to go along with 100 receptions for another 725 yards. Dude wasn't even picked for the Pro Bowl. I almost shut down my laptop. <laughs> this is this is why this is why I've said for the last couple of years, fans should not vote for player accolades. They don't deserve to vote. They don't have a lot of fans do not have the intelligence. It's a popularity contest. Uh we know that man is a, a perennial pro bowler. He should have made the pro bowl basically every season. Uh the fact that Edgen James only has four is a crime. <laughs> LT only got five. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, it's, it's a crime. Fans do not deserve the opportunity to vote for those kind of awards. Just let them watch the game and, you know, cheer on from there. But voting, that's too far. Uh, they should have been stopped at years ago. Man, for real. It's long overdue. <laughs> but man, Quinn, is there anything else you want to add? Man, I think that was pretty much all I had. I did see an interesting report. Uh, the Michael sent me some from the Athletic, where evidently a bunch of NFL teams with the trade deadline coming up are going after Will Fuller. I guess the Packers are one of them. So Aaron Rodgers might get them another weapon up in Green Bay. I finally have a first round receiver. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, you know, we'll see. Out of all people. I know Ryan Kerrigan, uh, 32-year-old pass rusher for the Washington football team. Uh, he's a perennial 10-sack guy, and he's only paid about 30% of the snaps this year. And that's because they they drafted Chase Young this year, and they drafted Monte Sweat last mm-hmm. year. So, you know, they're trying to develop those guys. So, you know, that's another name. They love the it. You know, he still has something left in the tank. And I think we he will happily take him. You know, I, I, I've read a few articles with, you know, Seattle and, you know, San Francisco being linked to Ryan Kerrigan. Uh, but, you know, like I said, like you said, mentioned earlier, Seattle did add Carlos Dunlap. So, I don't know if that's going to change anything. But it's some interesting names I've D4 seen. D4 you know. still ain't touched the field for us. Yeah. So, it's been some interesting names thrown around this year. So, you know, trade deadline is next Tuesday, I believe. So, a lot can go on between now and next Tuesday. Which is also election day. If you haven't voted, go vote. Please do. You gotta get the orange guy out of office. Last day to early vote is the 29th, and of course, election day is November 3rd. Get out and vote, please. If, even if you've never voted, this is the time. Your voice does matter. Don't you let best believe. You, you best believe I already cast in my ballot. Uh, I casted my ballot the first day at 9.30. I was up and at it. I was not playing around. Remember, your vote cancels out one Donald Trump vote. (laughs) But listen, that's all we have for y'all today. Thank you for tuning in to episode 31 of the First and Foremost Sports Podcast. I'm Jimmy Covington. And I'm the one and only Quentin Douglas. 
And thank y'all for tuning in once again.